Against the Herd podcast. Today we have with us a, a very special guest um, known as Bo or David Bostead, my uncle, um, who is a meditation practitioner and going to share with us a bit about his story. Um, if you tuned into our last podcast on meditation, we went over um, a lot of the research surrounding it and you know how it can make drastic changes in one's brain um, and a, a couple of helpful tips how it can improve your life. So tune into that for information on that. Uh, but today we've got Bo here with us who has been a lifelong practitioner of uh, meditation and, and has a very good history with it. Um, so he was going to start off kind of sharing his story with us. We'll ask him questions about you know his practice and perhaps advice for others and we will go from there. Okay. Uh, Nick, Nick had asked me to maybe begin with just saying a few things about myself, and so uh, uh, I thought we'd start out with that. And I was uh, born and raised on the uh, south side of Chicago, and um, in a very uh, kind of a conservative family that... Uh, church going Lutheran uh, and uh, and was always um, was drawn to spirituality um, and uh, wasn't always sure how that related to the church but but there was a strong pull there so when it, when it came time to go to, to college I went to a liberal arts college that um, that also offered a, a pre-seminary course curriculum and and so I I became involved in that and um, and I guess it was my my second year at college that um, that I had a course in world religions and and that really I mean it, it changed my course in a lot of ways uh, in a lot of different courses um, so now, in addition to <laughs> really not getting along very well with Roman and Latin, um, I had another reason to question the path that I, the path that I was on, because uh, so many of the the world religions, especially the Eastern religions, it, it just it um, I felt much more of a pull, much more of a draw, kind of being at home. Uh, and it, it just didn't seem like continuing on to be a Lutheran minister was a, would be very, very f fair to anybody. So, um, so I ended up getting a, uh, getting um, a major in sociology and a, and a minor in psychology. And then I went on to graduate school and um, I got a, a master's degree in clinical social work. And began to specialize in uh, psychotherapy. And for uh, for a few years, I I w was on the staff of a mental health clinic in the Chicago area. And then I had my uh, own practice for a few years, uh, office in downtown Chicago and an office in Evanston, Illinois. Um, until I was ready to move up to northern Wisconsin. I had uh, decided that's where I wanted to raise raise my family and so built a log home on a lake on about 20 acres of woods 
in the north. Literally built from the ground up, Bruce. By the way, built built a log cabin from the ground up. From the ground up. God. From... I I love that. I'm I'm someone who I just learned how to build a barn door. Oh. And it's my pride and joy. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you'd been around then, I I could I, I could 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 have used you. Um, but I I spent about thirty years up there until my boys were uh, were grown and and out of the nest. Um, and I, I continued my study that along for that time, um, with, with spirituality in general, um, um, Eastern spirituality in particular, uh, and, and Buddhism probably as, as the home base. Um, but there were no teachers up there. Um, and I, just taking things from a book, I had a lot of questions because one of the, uh, the, the primary practice that I kept getting pointed back to was meditation. And, and so I, well, is this it? Am I doing it right? You know, is this what's supposed to happen? Uh, and, and it was, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence you know, in, in my myself in that, those ways. So what I decided, what I did, um, I then ended up taking a um, an, an early retirement and decided, uh, and one of the reasons was, uh, one of the primary reasons was to go somewhere where there would be teachers, there would be, and, and more people that would be more like-minded, um, and, and on this kind of path and a meditation path and a spiritual path. And they're very much linked for me. Um, I think that's important to say. Um, and, uh, and so I, my wife and I relocated to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So I've been here for the past eight years or so. Um, Eight years, is that right, Nick? No, 15 years. Yeah, time goes fast. It's a big discrepancy right there. Yeah, I guess I've been, <laughs> I've been with my current teacher, Bruce, for, for about eight years. And with this particular sangha. And I think, yeah, that's that's where that came in. So um, so that's that's the backstory. Um, I, I basically went from having a clinical practice to a spiritual practice in, in terms of my life's, my life's focus. And I, I love that so much. And you know, I, I wanna get your thoughts, Bo, as, as a, in a world where specialization, like it's all about get out of high school, specialize, specialize. And you took a liberal arts approach. How did that impact, did that supplement what you had already felt as a Lutheran and that spirituality that you had, I mean, how much, how, how big of a player was that liberal arts, um, you know, study for you? Yeah, I, I appreciated being able to get a, um, a broader, you know, just a broader education and, and maybe, and I, I saw, I guess, always for me, Bruce, I never really saw college as much as, as a ticket, and I was never really as driven to, um, a lot of my friends 
you know, they they were really more interested, and, and I I guess I found out I was kind of the weird one, but uh, they were they were really you know interested in making as much money as they could, or or um, yeah, being able to have a certain kind of lifestyle or something, and that that was never that important to me, and and really my my life education in college, uh, all the different. It, the school was located um, in the corner of Northeast Iowa, where where Minnesota and Iowa and Wisconsin come together, and it's just kind of a of a rolling hillside and countryside, and there were primarily Midwest uh, people. Um, it wasn't as diverse as the South Side of Chicago, although. The school was making a concerted effort um, uh, to become more diverse, and that was just getting underway there, and I appreciated that. But for me, getting to know all these, you know, <laughs> farm farm kids, <laughs> you know, that was that was a whole different experience for me, and and I guess some of us were a different experience for them. Um, but yeah, the specialization, I, I really preferred just kind of letting things fall into, into place as they did as, as I went along and just getting as many different kinds of experiences as I could. And I, I love that as well because, you know, I, I, if I take a step back and I look back, and I, I went to high school in West Virginia, not a lot going on. <laughs> and But I always, there's just like this, feeling that I can't describe it but you just know that you're you just know that you're different you know like I, I thought a different way and I always like I was always in the middle of something in terms of my thinking like whether it's politics whether it's um, you know a, a particular uh, a particular topic because I always found that the truth was somewhere in the middle and you know now reading this book called range you start to learn that there are more people that aren't specializing right away. In fact, they're trying different things and they're putting themselves out there. And so I, I really love that. I guess you, you had mentioned and you had said before that you, I guess, were the weird one because your friends were, they were trying, they were motivated to get, to, to get more money, but you took the approach of, no, I'm going to trust I'm going to trust my my instincts on this. How how hard was that? Like, was it difficult, or was it just no? This is what I'm going to do, and we're going to see where the chips lie. I, I guess it just came it just came naturally, <clears throat> and I didn't I I as long as I always had um, you know a roof over my head. And, and food on the table, I really didn't think too much um, of, of other, other kinds of concerns. And, and I was able to do what I wanted. And then, I mean, I, I lived in the woods on a lake. You know, and what, I, I did, what, would, what could be better? You know? and, and so, um, yeah, it just, it just all worked for me. 
Absolutely. And would you mind, so you obviously moved from the Chicago area to the north woods of Wisconsin. Um, you know, we're not talking like the border of Illinois and, and Wisconsin, Bruce. We're talking, you know, nor northern Wisconsin on a, on a fairly remote uh, lake and was more remote at, at that time. Um, did, did the meditation practice have anything to do with like your your love of nature as well or you know how did how did that play in with being in a you know very isolated remote place to raise a family mm -hmm. well it's it's interesting that um some of the talks you and i have had nick i started thinking about i, I never never really thought of of a connection as much and i thought um, so I thought about that, um, and that, and that there really is, and the connection is, for me, is that um, being in nature and spending time, you know, in, in wilderness areas, especially when there's no other, no other people around, no other human beings, um, I, I kind of get in a in a spiritual space uh, or a mental space that's very similar to what meditation does. And I, I, as a matter of fact, I think a, you know, an MRI would probably be able to point out exactly how that, how that works you know, scientifically, but it has the same kind of impact on me in terms of just kind of calming me down and, and, slowing my mind down from all the chatter um, and and for me also kind of it, it, it opens my heart um, and I and I feel a kind of a connection to an inner peace and I get it in both those places and so it was it was a hard decision for me to leave the woods because um, but um, in Madison now we uh, we live we've got a a home that abuts the University of Wisconsin Arboretum. And as a matter of fact, I'm a uh, volunteer steward. I kind of patrol the paths and 1,500 acres of woods. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm right at home there. I, I, get, I can get lost in the woods when I feel like it. Um, but, but the city is hard to feel, you know, being around a lot of people and the pace in the energy, it's 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 very different, and so I go to the woods, or I go, and I sit. You know, I, I mean, I, I sit in meditation, um, and and uh, what I find is the longer I meditate, I mean, over over years, not not any single session, um, really where I am, or even what what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter as as much. I I don't need to be in the woods anymore to get that. It makes it easier, <laughs> and and I still love to do it and do it often. But it's really, it's all there in our mind, and and by learning how to just access that more, I I can, you know, attain those attain those states without having to be in a special place or be doing a special thing or having a kind of special experience. It's always, it's always right here, right now. <laughs> I just need to know how to tap into it. Absolutely. No, that is, that is fascinating. 
Um, and and a fantastic answer to that question that I could not have imagined. Um, could you dive a bit more into the mechanics of of the meditation? Again, maybe different types that you've experienced. Again, some of our listeners may be picturing, you know, what, is this guy sitting and staring at a blank wall and he's saying that that's like nature? Like it's, it's hard for many to grasp, um, you know, what is actually happening while you're meditating. Um, are you thinking about nothing? Are you, you know, counting to a high number? Is it based off feeling? Could you maybe go a little bit into that and, and you know, how that's changed for you over time or, or you know, the mechanics of it? Sure. Um, maybe, maybe one thing, one thing I, I, I should say up front, and I think I've already said that for me, there's a real spiritual link and that it's really linked together. But I, that's not so for all meditators. Um, I know for some, for some folks that they're not looking for that. Um, and, and that's fine. It, it's, it, but, but I wouldn't be as of much help to them, um, except except to say that I know that, well, I know people who want to, some of the practices would be the same, exact same, and some of them would be very different. Um, but the, 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 some of the, the basic practices for those folks, if, it's wonderful for dealing with stress. And so if somebody wants to learn, they just want to be more focused, they want to be more relaxed, and they want to just have a clearer mind, and they want to have a way to kind of feel refreshed or recharged, um, yeah, that you know, meditation can do that. Uh, it, it does do that. Um, and 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 I'm talking about about those things, but I'm I'm interested in other things as well, um, and so I just wanted to get get make that distinction. So for a long time, I I wondered if meditation was essentially um, just from all, all the readings I I did. Um, people kept coming back to what you alluded to, Nick, is in terms of the breath. Um, and I know that there are people still that, that think about, think in terms, even Buddhists, some Buddhists in certain Buddhist traditions, because Buddhists are different traditions, just like, just like many religions do. Um, and, and they're, they're similar, uh, parallel, but, but there are differences. And in some of them, meditation, that's what it means. It means um, initially getting, um, getting the spine straight is, is important, and then the body kind of relaxed. You know, the straight spine and a relaxed body and having, um, having get a comfortable, I get a comfortable, um, you know, posture and and my head set in a certain way, and um, my I, that doesn't change then for the in essence for the entire for the session and and um, the only thing really with me that wants to move is is my eyes um, and that 
Uh, initially, I always meditated um, with my eyes closed. Um, my current teacher advocates, you know, eyes open. I mean, they don't have to be like wide open. <laughs> you know, actually, you know, best if they if they're just, uh, um, you know, just kind of a relax, very relaxed, loose, general gaze, not a hard focus on on anything. Um, and um, so if my eyes tend to move, you know, that's fine. I will probably, I'll either leave them in that new place. My head hasn't moved. I'll either leave them in the new place or I'll return to the original place. And it, you know, and I just do everything I do being aware that I'm doing it. Um, but the breath meditation is just simply, and this is the most universal as that I have found, is just resting my attention on my breath. That's what I'm aware of. And meditation is really a kind of a, a one-pointed, fo- as I practice it and understand it, a one-pointed focus on one thing. Our mind is always bouncing around, you know, all over the place and keeps us, keeps us internally and externally, you know, all over. Um, well, this brings it all to one. It all slows down, perhaps sometimes even just stops. And I'm aware of the breath coming into my body as it comes in. I'm aware of the breath leaving the body and focusing only on that as it goes out. I'm aware of a brief pause and then aware of that starting again. And then it repeats. And then it repeats. And then... I realized that somewhere along the line, I started thinking about the upcoming baseball season and, you know, who I would start, you know, my lineup and just gently bring it back to the breath, wherever the breath is at that moment. And, and I'm not, I'm not I'm telling my breath, you know, how quick or how deep or whatever. I just follow it. It, it leads me. And, and, you know the, the in and, and and the out, and so I I still I still do that often for parts, if not entire meditation sessions. Um, but I, I do currently I do some some different things too because I've I've learned with with this current teacher just how um, he he's he's taught me a good deal, and one of the things was that. What works for somebody at a given point in time isn't going to work for everybody <laughs> at any point in time, um, and that, and that we're all different, and we're all also constantly changing, <laughs> and um, and that that's all good and fine, and there's no one right way, and we need each of us needs to do what's going to work for us, and 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 we know. You know, we'll generally know. Um, and so, so at the current time, in addition to, again, uh, often the, the, the breath is kind of a touching stone, a fall bat default. Um, I, I work with, with mantra. Um, many people, when they talk about mantra, they, in, in the, in traditional you know, traditional religious um, traditions, uh, 
There's typically ancient languages used, such as San Sanskrit. And it's not only the, the phrases that are powerful in that language, but the, actually the sounds of the syllables are said to resonate and, and it really, those sounds of, on their own tend to reorganize some of our, our energies and get us in tune. Um, that never particularly had that impact on me. Um, and so, so what I tend to do is, is I've, um, I'll have a, a word or a short phrase and I'll repeat those, um, in tune with my breath. So the first part on the in-breath and the second part on the out-breath and repeat and repeat and repeat, and something just keeps going deeper and deeper. Um, and I might stay with one for, for the entire session, or I might go to a different one, um, or I might go back just to the breath. And uh, I find over time these, these phrases or words they change. Some of them don't. I mean, some of them kind of stick around, always come back or never leave. But most probably they evolve or just change. And, and that's, that's fine. It seems to be working. And that's all that I don't need to know exactly how or why that is. Um, so that, that's a piece. Another piece in Tibetan um, uh, Buddhism is is one of the things is um, is that there'll be visual objects, um, statues, for instance, uh, or it can be a picture, and uh, they've got very specific ones where everything about in the picture has a specific symbolism and meaning, um, and I'm I'm kind of a, a you know, once again, kind of a oddball with that. And, and I found that the tr traditional ones haven't worked as well for me um, as I, I have a, um, uh, a character, um, a monk, actually. Um, and he, I don't know if he's supposed to specifically be, there is a, uh, a, a Buddhist monk, um, uh, Budai, back in the 8th or ninth century in China, and then kind of wandered from town to town and th through the hillsides. And a lot of people think of him, he's been depicted in many traditions across many cultures, and they often talk of him as being the smiling Buddha or the, um, or the laughing Buddha. Um, but it's really not a Buddha. It's, it's Budai, it's, it's this monk. But when I first got that, um, I, I, uh, I, I got that, uh, that statue. I was, oh, I hadn't occurred to this, hadn't, this hadn't occurred to me for a long time. But, um, it was, it was probably more than 50 years ago. And I was, uh, um, 
you know, in the being in the Chicago area, I was in a um, on North Rush Street, which was kind of a funky area of town back then on the near north side. I don't know if it still is. Um, and there was this shop, and this the, the statue just just spoke to me, you know, and um, and just seemed so familiar. You know, it's like it's like like I oh, there's my my uncle or whatever. And, um, you know, so, so I bought it and he's kind of been in, in closets and places he's traveled with me. Um, but just with this over the last eight years, it's just become much more of a prominent and just the impact of, of that, of the, that visualization, um, is he, he, he seems to embody he, he, he seems to embody an enlightened state so I'm not and and that state is one of he's he's so calm and he's so kind just a loving kindness and very clear-minded and he's just content and what a lot of people don't realize, is, you know, when, when some of, uh, if somebody uses a statue like I do, and so we can just sit and gaze at that statue, you know, um, for a time in, in reverence, it, it's, not the, it's not like we're worshiping a statue. That, 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 that's, that's not it at all. It kind of, it's, it's getting in touch with that, place in us that's already there that um but it's 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 dormant it's more dormant or underdeveloped but it's in there and i'm projecting it onto budai and he's um and he's there you know just projecting it right back onto me at least that's that's what i experience so i can spend the session with him um, and, uh, and then also imagining, you know, that there's different meditation practices that are spiritual practices that again, it's so closely linked for me. Um, but the, there's, uh, something called, uh, uh, guru yoga. Um, you have to be a little careful and not supposed to talk about talk about a whole lot of this just in you know in public um, but there's 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 a practice that that in essence he he kind of dissolves into a clear light and then I I inhale that that clear light and and we become one and um, so that that would be the kind of practice too various visualization practices and I, so those, those are the primary right now Nick that I that I find myself doing and, and so with the visualization it, it's interesting that you bring this up because I, I've been down a rabbit hole and you know, Nick and I have also done a recent podcast on neuro-linguistic programming or, or you know hypnosis 
And what I've, what I'm doing right now is uh, I'm, I'm understanding where that visualization comes into play, um, how you can visualize something, how you could speak something out, the power of being able to speak, and then also attaching a feeling to the words as well as the visualization. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, for transcendental meditation, that is what is related to me the most. But here's where I mess up, though, is I, I take meditation too serious. And I have to imagine that probably others do as well, right? Everything has to be perfect. If I'm breathing, then there's a yawn. And then I yawn, and then that takes me, that takes me off my game. Uh, I'm not flexible, so when I'm sitting down Indian style, I'm thinking about my hips that are aching right now. Mm -hmm. And... It is, you know, am I right in saying that probably myself as well as many others, many of our listeners, that we probably take it a bit too serious and that, you know, even if it's sitting up against a wall, even if it's sitting on a bolster or something like that, just trying to keep breath, trying to stay focused on that uh, and not let too many thoughts pop into your head and cut out. Am I right in saying that? Um for the most part, um, it, it was interesting. My, you know, I was aware that my my meditative practice with visualization, you know, with with Budai, um, as you were as you were talking, Bruce, I, what just happens, you know, he pops into my head, and he's just kind of smiling at what you're saying. I mean, he's just 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 smiling, <laughs> and and um, and. He he doesn't take anything seriously, <laughs> and and he's kind of teaching teaching me that um, the importance you we don't you don't need to try to keep thoughts out or bring certain thoughts in. What's important is that we be aware of what's happening, and if so. So it, it's not, um, it's okay to be even be taking things a whole lot more serious than Budai does. Thing is to be aware we're doing it in a non-judgmental way. You know, it's not right. It's not wrong. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just what is right now. And just to have that awareness, that's the focus, is the awareness. Am I doing this right? You have an awareness. <laughs> I'm I'm worried. I'm not doing this right, <laughs> you know. And and for me at least, that tends to release it right there. Uh, um, uh, do I need to, you know? Do I need to, to to change my posture here? Would it be better this way or that way? Um, I'm you know I'm being concerned. I'm trying to figure out how to you know and just be aware of what I'm doing, and what tends to come up for me after going through this you know as many tens of thousands of times as I have over over time is that almost all of these questions the answer is it doesn't matter <laughs> you know you, you just you just be you but be aware of what you be aware of you and be aware so of it's you. not quite 
It's not quite like golf lessons where, you know, you have to, you have to stick the landing on every stroke on everything. Just the opposite. Just the opposite. No, I, um, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I think another thing that just in my, in my reading and, you know, this was years ago, but Enlight enlightenment sounds really, really great. And I, and I have to imagine that a lot of people probably take that as the core focus. They, they learn about meditation and they want to jump in and then they want to hit enlightenment <laughs> right, right away. I have to imagine that's pretty common. And in, in some of the folks that you've, you've mentored or that you have in your, um, in your study. Yeah, yeah, wanting, uh, um, for most, well, for most, uh, some, some traditions in Buddhism, they, they don't, don't address reincarnation. Um, it's not clear whether that's not a part of their tradition that, um, but it's so centered on, on the present moment that that's not any part of it. Uh, Tibetan Buddhism, uh, it is, and um, that that's kind of an accepted part of how things are. So the thing for most people then in this tradition is, as long as I get it this lifetime, you know, but I got to get it before I die, <laughs> before my body dies, you know, and and <laughs> yeah. So usually they're a little more patient than you, but it's got to be this lifetime. Uh, and, and, and yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm also curious, well, because I, so I'm somebody, I'm a practitioner of jujitsu and, you know, one thing that I've been, I've been working on is to be able to have a, it's like almost like a transcendental moment before I actually go onto the mat. And I know obviously on the Eastern I think just Eastern medicine, um, Eastern, Eastern religion, spirituality has always been spot on and it's resonated with me. Um, you know, on going back to the, uh, I touched on it before, but transcendental meditation, one would maybe think that, you know, if I'm trying to put my, and maybe I'm thinking about it wrong is I'm trying to put myself in a different you know, I'm trying to put myself on a beach, right? I'm trying to visualize and, and put my family where we grow up in Spain on the, on the Iberian Peninsula. Um, but does that take away from, you know, the, the essence of meditation, of just being? Yeah, well, I guess what I've found with that is as long as I realize that I'm not there now, um, but I'm, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get an experience of being there without being there. And, and that's what I'm doing. And, 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 and I'm aware of that. And then, and then if there's a little, you know, that, that change in the mental state and so forth, and then just, just aware of that. Um, and, and 
getting back to those is there's not a right way or a wrong way. It you're you're um, you're you're trying to to take yourself there. That's all it is is your object for meditation, and it doesn't matter what your object is. That sounds like a wonderful one to me, <laughs> and and so you're just going to be with that. That's where your awareness is going to be. That's what you're going to focus on. That's a wonderful one. And and just being aware of what's happening as you're doing it. Does that make sense? Does that address that? that it, it certainly does. Fantastic. And I, I was curious, you, we've talked, you know, you brought up awareness a good bit, and that's that's linked a lot with meditation. One thing Bruce and I actually struggled with in doing research for our meditation podcast was finding a definition of it. There were so many and, you know, so varied. Uh, I was just curious, just from your perspective, right, if, if you were writing the dictionary, how would you define, like, meditation? What, what would you, you know, it, define it as, mm -hmm. if possible? You know, I know it's a tough one because there's a lot, a lot of ways you can go with it, mm -hmm. uh, but I was just curious mm -hmm. what your you know, phrasing of it would be. Yeah, it would. Right now, in the moment, I I would I would say it's it's um, it's uh, um, an exercise in you know fully focusing one's attention on a specific object. And to the exclusion, you know, of, of all else. And um, I say I say object, but you know that can be the things we're talking about, the various things. Um, but I'm just focusing on on that on on that one one thing. So it's 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 maintaining maintaining that that specific focus. With, with full awareness of what's happening during that experience, uh, that that as I'm focusing, I'm experiencing what that's like. If I drift away from that focus, um, as soon as I'm aware of that, um, then I'm in awareness again, and I bring myself back to it. Um, so it would it would be it would be along those lines, Nick. I love that, and, and you said a very important and a key word, and you said exercise. And, and I, I think it's important for listeners to understand, and uh, you know, please correct me if I am wrong, Bo, but you know, this isn't a, a do it once, come back to it later, and you know, all of a sudden you're going to be, you're going to be able to slip into that state of mind. You know, this, this takes work. And maybe work's not the right word, right? This takes no. This I think it is. Effort. I think it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and and something important to know about that, I think, is that it's not a linear kind of experience. Um, I've gone. I've gone days or weeks. In, in my 
meditation, and it's a daily meditation practice, um, uh, generally multiple times a day. And, and it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> oh, what did I convince myself of? This doesn't make sense. This, you know, I'm no dear, I'm just confused. I am really confused. Um, uh, I, I, I still get frustrated sometimes. I still get angry sometimes. I, I, I thought I, I thought I understood, you know, I had a purpose in life. I had a direction. And, and what, what is it? Where? What is this about? Why have I wasted all this time? And then all of a sudden, that, that, that cloud will pass, and I, I get back into the track, and, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm home again. <laughs> and this, yeah, this really is working. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm farther along than I was before I left. You know, a few days ago or whenever, you know, I, I, I've somehow going through that experience, coming back. Every time I come back, it's it's like I get grounded a little deeper in the path, and and the connection with that inner self is is a little bit stronger. Um, so it's like three steps forward, and 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 one step back, but it is forward, and and. And it, it it keeps going in that way. Did, did, did I get off on a tangent or did that direct? No, God, that, Bo, that is, can't describe to you how powerful that is because, you know, there are just so many people that they they pick up on things. We There's this, this sense of instant gratification and i don't think it's just in our generation i think that we we've, we've had this right like we we get that that kick from it but it's important to know that even you know someone like yourself who is a daily practitioner that has put in years and years of effort you still experience the same type of human emotions right that doesn't necessarily go away but it's important to have that grounding of knowing where you started and that yeah, if you do take that one step back, but you've already taken three steps forward, so you're still significantly further than than what you were. You just you're being a human, and it's important to relish in the fact that you get to experience this human feeling. Yeah, that's you. You're really spot on with that. You're really spot on, and 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 I think you know building on that a little bit, and this is this is good. That the most important important thing, especially if somebody's relatively new, um, is just showing up for it. Even, you know, feel like, uh, you know what, I, I've set aside this, this time is going to be a time, this is a one time of the day that I'm going to do it for sure. But man, I, I could really use another hour of sleep, you know, or I'd really like to see how that book turns out. I'd really like to call my friend. Um, you, know, you only set aside one time a day for certain. Show up. Just keep, just show up. And at some point in time, we, you'll understand why that was so important. And, and you'll realize the fruits of that. And, and then, as I mentioned, when we go through that step back to to acknowledge that and and just and and to not 
give up or just to drop it, but to realize, no, um, actually, I just need to keep showing up and, and a lot more experience than me. They've told me about this. They've told me to expect it. They went through it. Um, and then their teachers went through it, and their teachers' teachers, because these are these are traditions that are thousands of years old, and and that's uh, yeah, and that that's that's a big part of how it works and why it works. You know, one uh, well said, um, and you know, you you had mentioned numerous times before, but also just a second ago with speaking to others, and I have to imagine probably your, your teacher as well. I'll give you an example. I, I do coaching, or I, I have a coach, personal development coach, and I tried it about a year and a half ago, and I quickly realized that this is very beneficial to me, and that no matter the price, I will always have I will always have a coach because I find a lot of value in it. Tell me how tell me what changed when you had a uh, a practitioner or a a teacher Medi in meditation. Tell, can you describe where that shift was, what that shift looked like? Yeah, I different different teachers along the way were somewhat different I think I'll, I'll I'll stick with you know my current teacher um, he's um, he actually his his primary monastery is in um, Tibet that's his that's his headquarters um, but he's got um, this the spiritual community has a number of of sub communities, and uh, one here in Madison, you know, a really flourishing one, and they're across all the continents. There's actually um, there are are dozens of these sanghas or spiritual communities, um, as we call them, that comprise his you know the main one. Um, and so he's the teacher for people many different cultures and languages. Um, he's become, um, I would say, fluent in English. I don't, what do you think, Nick? <laughs> I, I agree. Yes, oh, oh, he's oh. definitely fluent. He has a very yeah, unique way of speaking English, but it uh, <laughs> yes, certainly yes. certainly gets the message across. But, but I he's he's a role model. You know, Bruce, I, I find he, he, he's a role model and he is somebody that I can relate to, I feel I have a rapport with. I mean, I only see him in person maybe a couple of times a year. He travels around the world, so he'll travel to the United States um, and um, uh Often Madison, often Minneapolis. Those are the two primary places. He's been in Chicago. Um, but also webinar, weekly webinars with him. 
um, and, um, and, and teachings that he puts, puts up. And I found that, so here's somebody that I, I had a rapport with and I, I, I developed a feel for and he's somebody that I respect and I trust. And so that's what I needed then to, to kind of open up to him <laughs> um, so that, okay, I trust you, I respect you, um, you know a lot more than I do, and and so I'm 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 really really open to to being led by you, um, and and so finding that that then if so if I'm willing to, to to surrender somewhat and to you know move my pride out of the way, okay, you tell me what to do, and and now, I mean there could come a point that that. You know, if bad things seem to start to happen and they keep happening for a long time and it seems like somebody's getting hurt, well, that, you know, all bets are off. You know, you don't, don't, and he'd be the first to say that. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, always, always trust your inner guru above all. But if this person is in harmony with that, um, that, that then, then you can trust somebody who's 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 been been where you are, and who's out for your best interests, and and is going to be able to to be a guide along the path, and and so what's important is it's a good person for you, somebody that you can respect and trust, and and as long as you got a you know your your teacher guide whatever you. You know, call the person. Um, yeah, then then it's going to be really important to be in it together. Uh, yeah, that is that is fantastic. No, a fantastic uh, answer. Because again, the whole point of this podcast is to introduce people to meditation and and you know hopefully help them find uh, you know find their own path to it or at least encourage that. Um, I want to be mindful of time. I'm just getting a little late, but I I do have one kind of parting. Question: We had mentioned before how you know meditation can help. You have these dark storm clouds pass over, and you know in society today we have a lot of storm clouds in people's lives, right? And anxiety and depression are are on the rise, especially in, in younger generations. And as somebody with a background and degrees in you know psychology and helping people with their mindsets and such, I'm curious your opinion on you know maybe back when you used to practice or, or now what you what you see in yourself and others. You know, has meditation been, or how has meditation been a help for maybe some, you know, struggles, mental struggles that people go through ordinarily, anxiety and stress? Um, I'm not, you know, uh, meaning for you to say you can cure all mental illness, but if everybody meditated, of course, uh, that is that is not the answer. But I am curious: are there some, you know, people who are are anxious, or or have you seen it impact, you know, different, you know, mental ailments uh, in your time? Yeah, that's that. That's interesting. My um, again, my 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 teacher talked about the fact that for himself, when he was um, when he was a, a, a child, about seven years old, that he used to get anxiety and panic attacks, which is pretty rare in Tibet. <laughs> you know, they 
and he still has trouble. He talked about how long it took him to understand how people in the West, I mean, there is no word for low self-esteem over there. And, and when people get down on themselves and criticize themselves, he couldn't quite, he couldn't quite get that. Um, but he, uh, he's worked so hard, not just on his language, but he works with neuroscientists and psychologists and physicists. And he really, he really wants to get a full marriage of cultures. I mean, he's not, this isn't just his way. This is the way that we're all on, um, and and so um, I'm trying. And so your your question about that, Nick, was bring me back to that. I was getting off a little bit. No, no problem. Was you know with common mental ailments, you know, anxiety, depression. Have yeah. you seen meditation affect or be able to help in those those areas yeah. as well? So as he talks about his. That's um, that's what cured him of his anxiety attacks, and as a seven or eight year old, and that's that's when he he realized that this was this is all that his father had said that it was. Who was a teacher, you know, himself a master, um, and what I've found is that uh, I've ha I've had difficulties. Um, with anxiety and depression at times in my life, um, I would I would probably, under certain circumstances, um, causes and conditions, as the Buddhists would say, could fall to that again. But I I don't know that that's true. Um, if I did, it would take a more. I mean, it has just been so much longer now. Um, I mean haven't had it in the full eight years that I have been, you know, really with this. Um, but what has happened over time, I, I, I just find that my mind is just calming down. And as my mind has calmed down, you know, kind of my, my, my heart has opened up. And, and my mind has also cleared up. <laughs> And somehow I, I put things in perspective. Um, I have more of a, a sense of purpose and direction. And for me, that was one of the things, as I put it together now, that was what led to a lot of the fears and anxiety and, and, and depression. It's like, well, nothing means anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, what is this about? And, and somehow... The deeper I get inside me, um, yeah, I, okay. I don't know that I can put it in words, but I don't need to. You know, I, I can live it, and and it's all divine. It's all it's all sacred. It's all work. It's all one, and it's it's all in harmony. If I'll just get myself out of the way, and and connect with things on that level. And it's much more difficult to get depressed or to get anxious. Like I said, I, I would think, I don't know, I would imagine it could still happen, but I don't think it would be as, as it would take a whole lot more, and it's already there, proven, um, and and it wouldn't last as long or go as deep because I'm just, just calmer and, and 
keeping things in, you know, things just are naturally, you know, the, the nature of things is not to be, I truly believe this, is not to be depressed, not to be anxious. And we just got to get back to our natural selves. And, and meditation is one, one way there. Wow. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. That is, uh, <laughs> that is a fan, fantastic piece. Um, and we, we sincerely thank you. I, I know I'm even more excited about meditation now, and I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners may be as well. Um, in, near the end of our podcast, one thing we usually do for our guests is we allow them to plug their you know, website or, or book. We've had a couple folks on with books, but I was wondering if, if you would um, you know, feel comfortable sharing the name of your teacher and perhaps some ways you know, folks may, um, you know, may find him with the understanding that he is, he is not a you know, purely meditation, that there is, is a large spiritual element to it. Um, but if, if people wanted to explore more about you know, your teacher, how might they go about you know, finding his teachings? Oh, okay. His, um, yeah. His name is um, Youngy Minger Rinpoche. Rinpoche just means master, um, but it's, it's, it's Minger. And his worldwide community is Turgar, T E R. G A R, um, and there are are many people. Maybe most of the people who are a part of this worldwide community um, do it almost all online, except for maybe occasional retreats. Uh, they they'll be they'll take a retreat. He'll come somewhere near them, um, or some people who are able to they would travel to him, um, and. Uh, um, but people can connect with him from anywhere, and he's got it set up. He, he's truly dedicated. His, his whole mission is just to, um, to provide the opportunity for people to really experience um, the spiritual sides of themselves, uh, particularly through meditation. And I, I think that he would probably really resonate with a lot of people, his, I think probably his m most most uh, famous book was The Joy of Living, which was a bestseller. Um, but that if if people uh, you know just just explore Turgar, um, and uh, that they can they can learn about that. And as I said before, what's important is finding a teacher that that works for, you know, everybody's got to find somebody that, that really clicks for them and it won't be the same person for everybody. And if people just Google meditation classes and they put in their, their town, you know, or their city, um, people who say, I wish I had something like that near me. Most of them will probably be surprised that there are places near you, <laughs> near them. And, and it's just a matter of finding somebody that's going to work for you, for all of us. Yeah, but thanks. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to, to share that because I think it might, uh, it might, it might, might help somebody. Absolutely. Well, at the, at the very least, it certainly helped uh, us. Again, even as somebody who knew a lot of these things, it was you know, fantastic to hear uh, you know, hear uh, your thought process and, and your expanded thoughts on, on a lot of them. So, um, like I said, thank you. We thank you very much for your time. 
And uh, as always, we hope everybody stays against the herd.